Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Welcome back, archivists. Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's so good to see you again. You hush. <laughs> We're moving soon, so. Uh-huh. All when right. I start to say, how are you, you're going to, it's going to be an actual, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, man, I'm good. <laughs> this is what's going on. That's what's going on. Okay, so today we are kind of in our neighborhood. We're going to be talking about a murder that took place in Alexandria. Virginia? Yep. Oh, cool. Okay. Yep. Um, well, not cool that there's a murder, but yeah. No, um, we're going to talk about the Woodrow Wilson Bridge for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the bridge that goes from Maryland into Virginia, but it also has a portion of the bridge is technically in D.C. over the Potomac. Yeah, because it crosses the Potomac River, right? Yes. This is a bridge I drive quite frequently. To get over here. Yeah. that I have to, because I live in Maryland, so I have mm-hmm. to cross that bridge to get over here. And the person that we are talking about today is Ronald Kirby. And he actually was one of the people behind the updated bridge, which is the bridge that we know now. So I guess in mm-hmm. 2008, 2009, they reconstructed it. They like remade it. Yeah, and okay. it originally was only four cars, and the reconstruction plan was also for it to be only for cars. And he's the one that pushed for it to be um, pedestrian, mm-hmm. so like by accessed by pedestrians and bikes. So today, the Woodrow Wilson Bridge has pedestrian access. Yeah, a lot of people don't even realize that when they're yeah. driving across, but there is two. There is mm-hmm. a section for that. Yep, and that is because of him because he had. Mm-hmm that idea and that vision and he really pushed mm-hmm. for it to happen so the bridge would not be who, who was he was. just a regular citizen or was wh- what was the deal Why? he was the city's director of transportation oh, okay yeah he had a phd in math mm-hmm. he's actually from australia okay yeah he was born in 1944 his name is ronald kirby he was born in 1944 in adelaide australia mm-hmm. but in 2013 he was living in alexandria virginia in what is described as an exclusive neighborhood. So, like, the city's elite lived there. You mm-hmm. really, it was, like, a nice, fancy, rich neighborhood, really. The former mayor of Alexandria, Patsy Tyser, describes Ron and says that sh- he knew more about transportation than anyone else. Mm-hmm. She says he was the man to go to. There wasn't anything he didn't know. And then Councilwoman Radella Pepper says that he was the expert to the experts. He left his fingerprints on everything. He just knew it all. Mm -hmm. Ron and his first wife, Molly, adopted two children from the Philippines, Marilyn and Joe. And as adults, their children lived in Alexandria also, which is what they talk about as one of the reasons that he chose the neighborhood that they lived in because Mm -hmm. it was close to their children. Ron and Molly had gotten divorced unclear when but he had remarried and his wife is Anne. so when we're uh, when the story is taking place that is who his wife is on the morning of november 11th 2013 ron's wife Anne had a doctor appointment and ron was working from home 
their sink was not working. Um, there was like a leak or something. Mm-hmm. So he had to call a plumber to come fix it. And so he was waiting for a plumber to come fix it. Mm-hmm. Now, plumber, when he got there, there was no answer. And like he stood there calling and knocking. There was no answer at the door. And he had just spoken to Ron like 10 minutes prior when he was like, hey, I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Uh, so it was literally just 10 minutes. And when he got there, no one answered. No one answered the door. No one answered the phone. So he eventually just left. And later, like a couple hours later, like an hour and two hours later, his son shows up because they were planning on having lunch together. Uh-huh. And when his son walks in, he finds his dad shot on the floor, dead on the floor, right by the f- in the front entrance, right by the, the door. Oh, right inside the front door? Yes. Okay. All right. When he goes in. When police arrive, they find no forced entry. Ron is laying on the ground close to the door. Like I said, he was shot twice in the chest, once in his hip. And there were two other rounds that they found. One was in the radiator and one in the piano. Two in his chest, one in the radiator. One in the piano and one is in his hip. His hip. Okay. So that's five shots fired. Mm-hmm. So they, those are five rounds that they found. Yes. Okay. No fingerprints are found. No DNA is found. There's no sign of a struggle or a robbery or mm. break-in. There's no apparent motive to police. Mm-hmm. So the plumber had called and spoke to him at 1132. Mm-hmm. So this is what he tells the police. And then because they they go through Ron's Ronald's phone and they find that previous phone call from the plumber. Well, okay, this is what the son tells the police. Then no, the police are looking through Ronald's phone. Okay, so this yeah, is where yeah. they start. They start talking to his all son, right. and yeah. then they start. They look through his phone. They're looking through all of his like work things because he was working from home. They're trying to like yep. put together what's going on, right? So they yep. look through his phone. They find the phone call to the plumber, and they speak to the plumber, and he says, "Yes, I spoke to him at eleven thirty-two." And he tells him that he was on his way and Ronald said, okay, I'll let you in when you get here. And then literally 10 minutes later, he shows up. So they have a 10 minute window that they believe that he was murdered. I'm confused. The plumber actually did show up? Yes. When did the son get there then? After the plumber. Okay, so the plumber. The plumber plumber was already gone by the time the, the son showed up. So the ten minute window is between when the plumber got there and when the um son was there. Well, yeah, because the plumber calls him at eleven thirty two and right. says, "I'm I'll, on my I'm way. On my way." And he speaks to Ronald. Ronald says, right. "Okay, I'll be here." Mm-hmm. And then ten minutes later, the plumber gets to the house. Gets to the house. No answer. No knock. Oh he's no calling, answer. He's yeah, calling, he's, he's calling. calling. Yeah, he's okay. knocking on the door. No answer. So and they so know. Uh, okay, that's good. Then in terms of they know, you know. So there's a 10 minute window when this happened. Yes. Potentially. So, oh man, that's good because then they, if they have video cameras in the area or they have witnesses and stuff like that, they can pretty much narrow it down. Mm hmm. The plumber tells the police that he saw an older white man with a beard in the area when he got to Ron's house, but he said he didn't mm. recognize him. Okay. But remember that. Older white man with a beard. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Police talk to the family next, and they have no idea of who would want to harm him. Mm -hmm. They request an urgent ballistics report. It like they specifically said that, and I thought that was interesting because I feel like isn't 
every case kind of urgent. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand what an urgent request is. They just does that mean they prioritized it and said, "Hey, we need this right away." Um, I don't know. That's yeah. interesting. I've never I, heard that before. I, yeah, I hadn't either. I thought that was interesting because I'm like, I kind of feel like everyone would be urgent. Mm-hmm. So they end up finding out that the gun was a 22, which police a 22 caliber, which police say is rare for a, ho- a homicide because it's like rare ammunition. No, a 22. No, that doesn't make sense. No, that's that's common. That's what they said. So the I was preferred a 22. I was confused because I feel like every time I d- we do one of these where I have the gun information, it's always a 22. What did they say was the reason the ammo was? Um, they said it had rare ammunition. What type of gun? Well, Other they don't. At this point, we don't know yet, but I know what kind of gun it is later, and I think it is a rare gun. Okay, so that's. Well, you need to tell us now, then, because that's what they're talking about. Okay, you want about. me to jump ahead? No, I mean, if they know what they don't know what kind of type of gun it is until later on, then how do they know it's a rare ammunition? I, that doesn't make sense. To I me. think when they were like when they were talking mm-hmm. and they were like doing all the interviews and they were mm-hmm. like they were talking with the knowledge of the gun. Okay, but the knowledge uh, of the gun doesn't. Come oh until yeah, later. yeah, you're you're right about that. Yeah, okay, because. Uh, Right when you when you they still say it's rare. Yeah. Okay. All it's right. A, we'll get to that later then. Okay. Okay. So at this point in Alexandria, in like this area, there had only been one other murder. I guess maybe it was rare. I didn't get to finish. It was probably. I think it was rare for this area because they say that there had only been one other murder using that type of gun, and it was ten years previously. Again, that sounds weird to me too. Yeah. Okay. All right. But. Ten years prior, the murder of Nancy Dunning on December 3rd, 2003, the same gun had been used. The same exact gun? The same type of gun with the same ammunition, Okay. But again, they're saying that this gun isn't usually used, I guess, in Alexandria for murders. That doesn't make sense, but okay, I got it. That's what they said. Yeah, okay, I got it. So she had been shopping at Target that day. And that's going to be important in a second. And she was found shot in her home right inside the door. Pretty much the same as uh, same Ronald. Memo. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Now, police had gone. They like they knew that she had went to Target. So they went to Target to get the uh, footage from Target to see if they could see or see if they saw anything weird out of place. Mm-hmm. And they can clearly see a man following her. Like he walks in behind her. He notices her. He You can kind of tell he like stalls. To to watch her so she doesn't see him. So this is and he follows her around and then follows her out. So this is why that gun, the rareness of that gun is important because when they learn, so for whatever reason they get this fast forward this this expedited ballistics and they say hey this gun's never been used around here before, but it was ten years ago. Let's go view that the let's go review that case too. Mm-hmm. Is that what's going on? Yeah, that's what's going to end up happening. Because why? Because it's cold already. Is that what? Yeah. So at this point, we're three months in. And, oh, okay. To the investigation, and they don't have anything. Okay. They don't have All any right. DNA. So they said, let's let's go look at that other um, case then, right? Okay. Well, they yeah they they take a look at it also. Okay. They are also though. Um, they did go around and canvass the neighborhood, and there were a couple people who did have cameras, so they do get okay. the footage okay. from that. All right. But this is the first footage that they look at because okay. of that gun information. All right. R- and what did they find again? 
So they notice, they just notice that there was a man that was following her around and followed her out of the store. He's um, very distinct. He has very distinct widow's peak. At the time of her murder in 2003, when the police were investigating her murder, uh, the video footage wasn't really good enough to be able to get a clear picture of the guy. And her murder goes pretty much cold also. Um, and it's been unsolved for the last 10 years because they have nothing else to go on. Same thing. No DNA, right. no fingerprints. I, so, sense, I sense they're getting excited. This, the detectives that had that case. Because maybe one can lead to the other. Yes, that's what they're thinking. So when the police find out about this, they do look at the video footage from Nancy's murder from Target. All right. And they're able to enhance the video footage because in 10 years, their technology has gotten a little bit better. Oh, yeah. And they bring in the plumber to see if he can ID him as that man that he saw. Remember, he said that he saw a white man with a beard. Yeah. The plumber, however, is not able to positively say that that's who he saw. So this is where it kind of goes cold. There's nothing else that they really have. They have no DNA. They have no other witnesses. Mm-hmm. And three months late, three months go by. February 6, 2014, police get a call from a man saying that the caregiver for his next door neighbor, who is an elderly lady, ran over to him telling him that there was an intruder at her in in the home. And so he calls 911. She was able to get the elderly lady to the neighbor and the caregiver runs back to the house um, because the elderly lady's daughter lived there. Mm-hmm. So it was the daughter, her mom, and then the caregiver. When police arrive at the scene, the detective, it was Detective Dana Lawn- Lawhorn, um, he's retired now. He actually knew the the lady who lived there, the, the daughter, and she had been shot. So he asks her, because she's still, she's still alive at this point. She's with the paramedics. Mm-hmm. He asks her if he saw, if she saw who shot her, and she said yes, but that she didn't know him. And then shortly after that conversation, she passed away. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The caregiver had also been shot in the arm, but the caregiver survived and she was able to give police description now she says that so ruth ann is who the uh daughter was who was shot and killed she was getting ready for her doctor appointment around 11 30 and there was a knock at their door and her mother and the caretaker were in a different room she goes to answer the door and she's shot in the chest in her chest and her left arm the caretaker comes out and she says that she sees a older white man with a beard hmm. and he starts shooting at her. He shoots her in the left arm and then he suddenly leaves, turns around and leaves. So there's no robbery or anything in these, these no. things. Okay. No. These incidents. And at this point, now this has become a serial killer. Well, because have they three. tied it together now? Yes. A- Police are 100% okay. at this right. point. They're so like, they, this is completely They're related. all connected? Yeah. All right. And- this was just a psychopath. He's just killing. Yeah. yeah, for some reason. Okay. Yep. Serial killer. You're right. When Ruth Ann was shot, or when the caretaker was shot, she was able to get the mom, the elderly lady she was caring for, to the neighbor. And then she ran back to be with Ruth Ann until the police got there. Mm-hmm. Same thing. There were bullets that were left behind. They were small caliber bullets from a small caliber handgun. And investor investigators do believe that all three at this point are related. 
Well, they should know pretty good about the ballistics and if they're all related. This is when they go canvassing the neighborhood mm-hmm. and they find that one of the there was a couple cameras in the neighborhood that was pointing right at the street where the killer where the suspect would have the cameras from what though? It seemed like it was from a neighbor. And you know nowadays they have all these ring. I don't know how long rings been out there, but um, these porch cameras and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's why I said in your wow. neighborhood. Do you know how many of your like literally everyone down here has them yeah. in their windows? It, so when I when originally you said ten minutes, I'm like, oh, the, you know, the cops can go, hey, on this day mm-hmm. from this time to this time, like they can narrow it right down. It's a shorter window, yeah. Yeah. Instead of that's like nice, like hours. Yeah. All right, so they did get some. Obviously, people said, oh, yeah, look at my camera. Okay, I jumped around. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading my notes. I jumped to, so I'm going to, I just mentioned the video footage, but then I jumped to the ballistics because that it was coming back. I'm going to talk about the camera footage first, so bear with me. Okay, in the camera footage, they see a red Ford Escort wagon. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the same one that we had? But it was green. Uh, no, it was a tourist wagon. Oh. I don't know what an escort wagon is. Seems like it would be similar. Now, it says that it was going west on Braddock Road. So, how big is, how long is, how big big. is Braddock Road? I was going to say, again, I take Braddock Road every time I come down here. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. It goes all the way into Alexandria. It must be like right off when you get the, right off of the bridge then. Because the f- like first exit off the bridge is Alexandria. So it must mm-hmm. be right there. So they see the red Ford Escort wagon going west on Braddock Road. Now the speed limit on that road is 15 miles per hour. But they notice that the car is going faster mm-hmm. than what would be 15. I don't know how you can tell that. I can never tell when cars are going. Like it always seems like cars are going faster. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Yeah, you just kind of get comfortable with it over the years, you know, you know, wow, that's really fast, mm. you know. I mean, makes sense. And, oh, wow, that's really slow, too. Yeah. So it's also going even faster than that in an exit area from Ruthann's house. So it mm-hmm. would have been where they would have exited, like, leaving her house. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of deduced that if a car was here, it would have went this way. Yeah. Okay. Police are able to zoom in on the footage and they see what they believe is a white male with a beard driving the nice. car. They couldn't see the license nice. plate in the, the video footage, though, so they're not able to do that. So they do try and uh, look for all red Ford Escorts in the area within a 50-mile radius of the crime scene. I mean, this sounds like um, a little guy down the street that's living right in the same neighborhood and driving a little a little family car. Is what it sounds like. Who all of a sudden got the taste to start killing people? Don't forget the ten-year age gap t- or age gap, the ten-year difference between the first murder and then these. Yeah. Well, who else has been killed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or who? Who they haven't they found yet? You know. Uh, at this point, they also get like a full ballistics report back about all of the shells or mm-hmm. the casings that they found in all of the crime scenes. Um, and they are able to say that these three murders were committed by the same brand of uh, gun, by the same brand, a twenty-two subsonic round. But they were not fired from the same gun, but from the same type of gun, a North American Arms twenty-two revolver. So the ammo is rare? 
Thin? I that yeah, that's what What's it was. What's the subsonic like. thing again? Twenty two subsonic round. Okay, so that may maybe I don't know anything about guns. No, I don't I'm not crazy into that necessarily either but so it sounds like the ammo is what's um rare more rare, rare yeah and i mean i've never really heard of a north american arms how, 22 revolver but either. How, how do they yeah it's just a basic little gun but how do they because that's weird so ballistics the way it works is they can say hey this bullet was fired from this gun mm-hmm. so how are they i'm not sure how they're saying this bullet was fired from three guns or this bullet from the same lot was fired from three guns. I don't know how they get that. So it's they were so it's the same brand of ammo. Right. So all of the ammo is the same brand. brand. Okay. But they were not fired from the same gun. So we have at least two guns, if not three. Okay. I I don't know how they know because usually a bullet's pretty twisted up. So I don't know how they know what brand it is. I get, maybe it's the the chem- the density. Maybe it, you know they take it apart and they analyze it that way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, I, that, didn't, I didn't. So that's go the super in depth so that's the rare. That. So that's the piece at the beginning you were trying to explain. I think. Yeah, is the bullet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they definitely got a serial killer. I was literally, literally just gonna say. So at this point, police are thinking yeah. that this is a serial killer. They definitely. Mm-hmm. And the and what's the so ten years? It's a ten year difference. Yeah. So two thousand three was Nancy's yeah. murder. And then 2013 was Ron's murder, and mm-hmm. then Ruth Ann was murdered just a few months into later into 2014. 14, yeah. So because of the caregiver's description, the uh, police are able to get a, a composite sketch done uh, that corroborated what the plumber had seen. Mm-hmm. So it also kind of says, hey, th- this is probably the same person that the plumber had seen in the area did the plumber look at the sketch that's it they didn't say okay so they put the sketch out to the public Mm -hmm. thousands of tips come in from the sketch one tip said uh, there was a white man with a beard that was acting weird that had lived near ruth ann Mm -hmm. so police are obviously interested in this tip yeah that person has an alibi but he does tell police that he knows of a person who looks kind of like this sketch that he wouldn't be surprised if it was him. Oh, that's so that's just like b- by chance that he says, oh, yeah. yeah, no, that's funny. I don't look like that guy. That's not me in that picture because this, this, this. But now that we're sitting here talking, I know somebody that looks like that. And the reason I bring it up is because it wouldn't surprise me if he if he did this. Yeah. Which is also kind of weird. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you just come forward? In the beginning, like when it was like, why wouldn't well, you? Well, did he see the picture in the paper or the TV or whatever? Uh, that's he unfair. Li- that's yeah, true, he lives in that area. They probably. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's a good point, though, right? If mm-hmm. he. Why? If he lives in the neighborhood next to one of the, the victims within, then clearly his news channel was, was capturing it because it was, yeah. uh, you know. There was police or, around. Like yeah. they were canvassing right, the area. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's see. So he tells them. That person's name is Charles Severance. Now they look into who Charles Severance is. All right. What do they find? Okay. It's interesting. In 1996 and apparently in 2000, he ran for mayor of Alexandria. Oh, wow. Police end up finding a video of him doing like this political debate from 1996 Mm -hmm. where he's just behaving oddly. 
he's talking about things that aren't like super relevant. He's talking, he was talking about like eliminating local tax on restaurants and terminating human relations department, terminating mental health funds. Uh, There was, I mean, I watched the video clip. I can't, I couldn't even understand what he was saying because it was just things that like didn't seem super relevant. Other political candidates were scared of him. They thought that he would be targeting him, essentially. He had a pretty aggressive demeanor to where the city manager and the police chief actually assigned an undercover police officer to follow the other candidate who would go on to win the election to ensure his safety from Charles. Because he was just, like, violent and had, like, this violent, aggressive demeanor. He was known to get violent during the campaigns. Hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of scary. In the video of his the political debate, he looks exactly like the man from the video from Target from Na- following who was following Nancy. He has like the same widow peaks, short hair, and he's wearing the same leather jacket. Mm-hmm. He's wearing like the same thing in the videos <laughs> in both videos, like literally looks the same. Wow. D- was his campaign on like take care of crime or anything? Because I'm wondering if he was out no. there trying to trying to. You know, if it's him, if he's is he out there trying to show that it's high crime and I'll come in and I'm big on crime. No, he didn't really talk. It was mostly about like mental health and mm. like being super against it and like wanting to defund it about like mental health facilities. And especially when oh, it comes to like the youth. Him. Yeah. He wanted to like he didn't he doesn't th- he didn't essentially think that like our youth should have mm-hmm. any type of mental health, like facilities, help, anything. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to defund it all. Yeah, it was it was kind of he, but he wow. was also just like rambling in the video. Yeah. Like it made no sense. It also started off with him speaking Spanish, and at first I was like, is he going to speak Spanish this entire video? <laughs> I because like, that's what it seemed like. It was not very good Spanish, but he was just odd. You know what I mean? Wow, that's weird. Yeah. And then he was known to be violent. So he was living in Ashburn at this time. Mm-hmm. So police get uh, are able to get a search warrant. And he's living with his girlfriend. So they go to his girlfriend's house. When they go to his girlfriend's house, she is there. He is not. He had just left. And she doesn't say where, doesn't know where. So they find a receipt for a North American arms revolver. That gun is not there. There you go. They also find other guns in oh, the wait, home. Oh, wait. How are they searching again? They had a search warrant. A search they were warrant. able to get okay. a search warrant, yeah. Based on the uh, the video description and him. He and also has a felony charge. Oh, what was the felony charge for? Uh, or a prior conviction for carrying a concealed weapon. So he's not uh, supposed to have a gun. Yeah, so he's predisposed. Oh, that's right. He's not he's supposed fi- to have a gun because he, yeah, he has that well, prior conviction. This is great. So, um, th- so that's, that's probably that's why they were cause. Him. Plus, they can arrest him on that mm-hmm. on that charge alone. If if th- wait a minute, yeah, he, ha- he so he he's he not bought to own so a he gun. bought a gun illegally. How did he buy the gun? Exactly. <laughs> See, that's not the system's problem. That's like, like the freaking store. We're, now I'm on another tangent. He here. somehow, yeah, he somehow because they didn't say how many guns, but they did find other guns in the home. So not only does he have yeah. this r- revolver, he has other guns. So he is in illegal possession okay. of guns. Yeah. So that's good because they can they can bring him in and arrest yeah, him on that. Just and, on that alone. And yeah. W- work around that for a while before they talk to him about murder. 
Yep. Serial murder. But okay, the cool. problem is right now is that he's gone and so is the revolver. Mm-hmm. He's not in the home. Oh, geez. They're out going to kill someone else. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. So they put alerts on all his credit cards in hopes to find him, which I didn't know you could. they could do. You could do that. That's that was that was interesting. They like I guess they yeah, like called you know. the bank and they were like, mm-hmm. we need to know when and where his cards are being used. Mm-hmm. So. On March 12th, 2014, which this it seems like this was within like the same week mm-hmm. when this is happening, the same couple days. Uniformed. Now, this is where it gets it, it like got interesting. Uniformed Secret Service notifies the investigators that Charles was in D.C. So he had drove into D.C., like Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. Because for those of you who don't know, Alexandria is pretty close to D.C. It's on the other side of the Potomac River. Yeah, where it's all where it's all very close to the bridge. You can and you can see D.C. when you cross that bridge. And there's probably alerts out there, bolos on this guy. Mm-hmm. So the um and the Secret Service monitor that in D.C. especially. Yeah. yeah. So he had driven in, and then rode his bike to the Russian embassy, asking for asylum from the Russian embassy because he said that Alex- the city of Alexandria was out to get him, wow, essentially. Talk- they were persecuting And his thing him. was mental health, his, his stand, his he political stand. It. He was against it. Yeah. And it sounds like he needs it more than anybody. Yeah. So the Russian embassy turns him away. Of course, they probably laughed at him. <laughs> the Secret Service uh, is able to get surveillance from this, and they send it to the investigators in Alexandria who are still on this investigating this case. Mm-hmm. It's a clear picture of him. Like that that yeah, security so, footage yeah. in DC they have is clear. So they're matching this all up now and and uh it's they have a nice package, a nice little investigation that's showing he's the guy. Mm-hmm. And him like the picture of him mm-hmm. clearly matches the sketch. Like the sketch is clearly him. So he then goes to uh Wheeling, West Virginia and he books a hotel room there. And they obviously have the location because because at this point, when the uh, like at, by the time the Secret Service reaches out to the investigators, by this point, mm-hmm. like he's already left D.C. Mm-hmm. So they obviously didn't like immediately, which again, I don't know why they they know that. I don't know why they couldn't just stop him. Yeah, I, I don't. What, that was so unclear. wait a minute. The Secret Service didn't do anything. Yeah, oh, they shit. they reached out to investigators. Which, like, yeah, I mean, it's I not really like, their isn't, jurisdiction. I was going to say, they, isn't it, like, not their job? Yeah, they, it's not their jurisdiction, right? And, and probably by the time the police got there, this is what happens, you know? Yeah. Everybody thinks that, that all law enforcement, federal, local, county, state, are tied to dial into each other. And we're just sitting around waiting for stuff <laughs> to happen, you know? It doesn't yeah. happen that fast. Yeah. So he was able to get away, and he went to West Virginia mm-hmm. to get a hotel room, which obviously there's alerts on his credit card, so they immediately alerted the police. And video footage from the hotel shows that he was wearing the same clothes because this is, like, the same day. So it, yeah. they're able to confirm that it's him. Well, so, and then his credit card was used there, so they know it's him. Right. Yeah. They're just getting all the confirmation. Yeah. So investigators from Alexandria reach out to the Wheeling Police Department in West Virginia, and they give them the picture of Charles from outside of the Russian embassy. Mm-hmm. So they have this whole, like, briefing on him, and they warn him, like, hey, we believe that he's armed and dangerous. because and a serial that, killer. Right. So literally, right after this whole meeting inside the police department, one of the officers, a uniformed officer, walks outside and they, their police department is across from the library. 
Mm-hmm. And what he noticed, he says specifically when he was shown the picture of Charles outside of the Russian embassy, Charles was with his bike in that picture. Mm-hmm. And the bike was kind of distinct to the police officer. It yeah. stuck out because it was blue and it had yellow tape on it. Okay. He walks outside of the police department and sees that bike across the street at the library. Holy crap. Yeah. So he's like, well, shit, I'm not going. I can't go. in. Um, none of us can go in there because if he sees a uniformed police officer go in yeah, there, he's going to spook. He's going to. Yeah, immediately. And and they believe he's armed and he's inside of a library. Mm-hmm. So he calls a couple of the undercover police officers they have in the area uh-huh. and ask him to go. Hey, in. come on over. Yeah. You know. So they go into the library. They see him on a computer. One of them literally goes up behind him and grabs him from behind. And then they call in the uniformed officers to handcuff him. But hmm. they like they ambushed him from the back in wow. like, the, right, the plain clothes. Yeah. Right across from the police department. Yeah. This is so he's arrested on March 13th, 2014. So this was the day after. So March 12th mm-hmm. is when he was in D.C. March mm-hmm. 13th is when he's arrested. They find his car and they bring his car to the West Virginia State Police from the hotel. They find gun cleaning kits, books and books and books of his writings. They find what they believe is like a manifesto. Mm -hmm. He talks about he literally, I guess, wrote. This is a quote from him. Sweet sounds of the North American Arms 22 revolver. They also find writings where he is talking about killing cops. Uh-huh. Uh, the manifesto that they like kind of described, he talks about knocking on a door and killing the person who answers the door. He goes oh, on. Oh, that's kind of the motive. Yeah. Yeah. He goes on to write. Can you, and this is a quote from his writings. Can you forgive someone for kidnapping your son? Can you kill someone for kidnapping your son? This is just like ramblings. Mm-hmm. So turns out that in 2001, Charles actually lost custody of his son. So police believe that that was the original motive for killing Nancy Dunning. And then he goes on to say that that specific neighborhood is his target, like in his writings. Uh. So her neighborhood, which um, Ron and Ruth Ann, they all lived within like the same neighborhood. Was, very, that very the white, close. was that the mother of his child? No, I don't really know why police think that she's. Mm-hmm. That she specifically, because it does kind of seem like he just saw her in Target. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's really what set him off. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, she was who he killed. And mm-hmm. then that her neighborhood was the Target. But, it like, that was, again, like, the neighborhood's elite. Like, the, or Alexandria's elite yeah. people. Like, they were all pretty prominent people in the community. Pretty wealthy people. Pretty smart, influential people. And he kind of felt like... You know, the system took he hated the mm-hmm. police officers for taking his kid and for the judge and everyone who mm-hmm. signed off on, you know, him losing custody instead of taking accountability for whatever it is he did to lose custody. Uh, he blamed okay. everyone else. He wanted to kind of scare the people in the neighborhood. So he ends up being charged with all three murders. They are able to confidently, mm-hmm. you know, connect him to the murder of Ron, Nancy and Ruth Ann, And they charge him with all three of their murders. At trial, the plumber comes in and IDs him and says, yes, that's who he saw in the area mm-hmm. when he was there. And then Ruth Ann also goes on to positively ID him at trial as well. So they Were there three different trials or just... They did it all at once. Yeah, they, it was oh, okay. one trial. Uh, all at once. Okay. 
He apparently was yelling during the trial. He was belligerent yeah, to crazy. the judge. Yeah, he was just acting. Mm-hmm. Just he was just acting out. He was not mm-hmm. civil at all. Um, November 2015, he is sentenced to three life sentences and a $400,000 fine, which I always find interesting when they do that because where, where are you going to get that money? That fine is never going to get paid. Uh, I know. It's <laughs> Well, it's like life plus, plus 50 years, you know, uh, that which kind of stuff. Which I've already said that drives me, like three life sentences. I understand why it has to happen. It just seems kind of silly. Well, just- No th- one is going to live three lives. Well, maybe something happens in one- one of those cases, there's an appeal or something, and and they, but they did it all three together, and, and they do okay. Time served in that one. Oh, but you still have it over here, you know. I guess, but they yeah. did the all three of them together. It was like mm-hmm. all yeah, combined. So, I don't know. It just oh, seems concurrent. You mean? Well, the trial all th- they did the oh, trials all together. But, so, okay, so he got that. Three life sentences for one. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. For yeah, all three, yeah, they, well, they point. charged yeah. him with three. He was charged with three charges of murder. Mm-hmm. So okay. I guess three counts of murder. Oh, three counts of murder. Yeah. So I guess even though they do the trial together, it's still three separate counts. So that would he yeah, can appeal I think each probably one. Probably what happens is he got life for the on the first count life, yeah. second count life, third count life. So all run concurrent. It didn't or say. something. Yeah. So yeah, that's what it was. It was per each count of murder. Oh, okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's where his part ends. He's Mm -hmm. in prison. In 2016, the city of Alexandria put up a plaque honoring Ron. Mm -hmm. It says, in memory of Ronald F. Kirby, a consummate public servant, role model, and leader whose tireless work for the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments, including planning for the new multi-module Woodrow Wilson Bridge and the promotion of walkable, bikeable communities is exemplified in the public space. This memorial is placed in gratitude by the citizens of the city of Alexandria and all who loved him. Where's it at? Where's that memorial at? It's, I had the address and I didn't write it down. Well, just where? I mean, you don't have a specific address. I'm just, is it on the bridge or is it? No, it's like in, in Alexandria. Yeah. It's, it's like in Alexandria where all the other. So I I um, guess there's also like a, there's not just a plaque. There's a. I have it literally right here. At the beginning, I didn't feel like he was targeted for anything specific. Like, there was nothing to suggest that. And that's where we end up. That he was just unlucky guy. Because you're telling the story about what he did, what his life's work mm-hmm. was, and what he advocated for, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, what? Well, who would be mad at him? Who'd be? And so, yeah, it just, you took us through this one, and it was just a target of opportunity. Yeah, and he th- was just really targeting the neighborhood, the neighborhood right. and like the city's wealthy and whoever answered and influential. the door. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's kind of sad. That guy's a wacky job. He's definitely the murderer. Yeah. Yes. I want to be able to tell you. Hold on, I want to tell you. No, we don't have to do that. I have a picture of it. We can post it because it also has. So it's like one of those like little plaques. You know how the his, all the historical areas yeah, have those yeah. like official fancy. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those. But then it also has like the big thing that gives you more information. OK. Yeah. And it says pedestrian and bicycle friendly. And it tells you all about the bridge and what he okay. what he did. Because did you know the wood that Woodrow Wilson, apparently the, the president was like super pro automobile and that's why this bridge is like dedicated to him because he was like pro automobile and roads. Mm-hmm. I didn't it was hard to understand what I was reading but that's what I took away from what I what I read. So, 
pretty interesting. Yeah, cool. All right. Okay. So that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. <laughs> Dad is over here making faces <laughs> at the video. If you you'll see, I'll post clips. No, <laughs> no, no. I just go. We're on Twitter at TC Archives Pod and Spotify. Go follow us. Give us a follow on Spotify. You'll get notified every uh, Monday when there is a new episode. And make sure you give us five stars and we will be back next week. Later. Bye.